Welcome to NC15 from CFA Society, North Carolina. I'm your host, Pedro Bernal. This podcast brings you an unbiased lens on finance and investing through short conversations. Our guests are the most interesting and accomplished people. In a concise format, we discuss the top issues or salient questions impacting our guests. This week, I'm delighted to welcome David Trainer, CEO of New Constructs, an independent debt and equity research firm that specializes in leveraging cutting-edge machine learning technology. David is a Wall Street veteran and corporate finance expert. He has previously advised the Financial Accounting Standards Board on how to ensure accounting rules align with the best interest of investors as a member of the Investors Advisory Committee. David has held numerous prominent roles with hedge funds, asset managers, and Wall Street firms. He has created many world-renowned financial and economic models. Prior to Wall Street, David worked with Arthur Anderson. In 1994, he earned his BS in international business from Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas. David is author of Modern Tools for Valuation. We talked with David about data science and machine learning, what technology skills finance and investment professionals need, and the future of investments and artificial intelligence. Welcome, David. Thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here, Pedro. Thanks for having me. As a data science and accounting enthusiast, I am so excited to have you join our NC15 podcast. It seems wherever you go, success follows you. Can you share with us what New Constructs is all about, how your vision started, its roots, and how it has evolved to such a successful venture? Uh, yeah, sure. Thanks for those compliments. Uh, you know, my, my, I started on Wall Street in the mid-90s before the tech bubble and sort of grew up in the business doing analysis the old-fashioned way where you read the whole filing and you build out a very complicated model that takes into account all of the financial data, not just the pro forma estimates or what the company tells us, or even just the income statement, but income statement, balance sheet, cash flow statement, as well as footnotes. And, and that's just the way we, we did our work back in the day. And then, you know, I was at Credit Suisse. And so I had a front row seat to IPO tech bubble. Credit Suisse was the number one tech banking firm during that time. And I saw how quickly the, the traditional rigor and research was subjugated to doing deals. It made people hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. There's no question. And it was then that the seed for new constructs was planted in me where, you know, if we didn't have machines to do this work of going through filings, who was going to do it? Because, you know, when I grew up in the business, it was the folks that worked on Wall Street that you had to rely on to do this kind of research and analysis. Certainly the folks at home were doing it. Who else but the Wall Street experts? And what the what the tech bubble revealed, especially through the global research settlement, was that Wall Street was the last folks you, you might want to trust for doing that deep kind of analytical work at that time, at least, right? And, and I think we're way past that stage. But what it reveals, though, is that going through filings, cover to cover, doing that diligence is, is not exactly glorious work. And it's super time consuming and expensive. And we created technology. I started working on this technology back in 2003, but technology to do the dirty work for people, to do the mundane, boring work of going through filings, pulling out all these important details, putting them, putting them together into a model that better expresses the underlying economics of the business than any other model in the world. 
And we have proof of the superiority of our models from the public and the private sector. Private sector, Ernst & Young, public sector, Harvard Business School, MIT Sloan, the Journal of Financial Economics, and the Kelly School of Business at Indiana. All of these entities have written papers that prove the superiority of whether it's the data that we're pulling from the filings, earnings analysis we do on that, return on invested capital and free cash flow models we build, or even the stock ratings. I'd like for, for your audience to think of new constructs as a way for them to take advantage and stay ahead of how technology is changing the investing business. We represent a form of, of automation that we see hitting all kinds of sectors, right? Obviously, how automation has affected the auto sector. Obviously, how automation is affecting CRM and a lot of other businesses, right? But you haven't seen automation affect research and investment decision-making that much outside of maybe passive index and investing. We're bringing that automation to the detailed analysis of individual companies to empower our clients to make sophisticated and highly informed decisions while putting in a lot less time. My compliments to you. You've been a pioneer as long as I can remember. Even professors when I was in business school would talk about the work that you did and the success that you had and how exemplary it was at that time. In terms of the core earnings model that you have developed, what makes it better than others? Is it people? Is it process? Is it technology? How easily can it be duplicated? What makes you special when it comes to that data aggregation aspect? Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Pedro. I, you know, I think one of the things that makes us special is that one of the few firms that have really pursued it. There have been a lot of other ways for Wall Street folks to make money. You know, especially when you look at institutional trading and hedge funds, right? The payment for order flow and the high frequency trading opportunities available from that are extremely lucrative and easy to implement. Where we really kind of changed our business uh, in the last couple of years was to focus on providing a much simpler tool that's directly helpful to investment professionals. And that is a cleaner, better measure of earnings, known as core earnings. And the way this all came about was that a professor from Harvard Business School got in touch with me because he had a problem. Students didn't want to take his class anymore because they didn't think that learning how to read financial statements and going through footnotes and building models was worthwhile because who paid attention to this stuff anyway? It was way too much work to be worth their time. And I said, you know what, Charlie, you're right. It isn't worth their time. But what if there was technology that made acquiring that incremental information costless? And so that's where we come in. We are a combination of technology and humans, right, that give you the truth about the profits, as well as the difference between our number and consensus or gap reported numbers, as well as every adjustment in between. But we give you that truth in an instant. Type in a ticker, get an answer, right? And so we save you the time that you would normally have to invest in doing your diligence. It's, it's better, you know, to your question, whether or not it's people or technology, it's a combination of both. Uh, you know, we wrote a long white paper around how often people misread what machine learning does. Machines don't learn. They follow instructions extremely well. And our advantage is, is in that we have a larger or superior library of instructions on how to exactly parse financial state, especially footnotes. And this has all been proven by the folks at Harvard Business School and MIT Sloan that use our, our tools in their curriculum, as do other schools. Here's the right way to do this work. And by the way, here's a tool that does it for you. And typically, the uh, exercises let the students try it and do it on their own and then use our tool to see how close they come to doing it as, as well as we do. The benefit of, of what's happened to new constructs in the last year or two is that 
this large body of, of, of work that's been built around proving the superiority of our data shows that versus every other metric out there, whether it's from Capital IQ or Bloomberg or Refinitiv, you know, we are, or PackSet for that matter, our data is vastly superior. These firms are capturing at best a quarter of just 25% of the adjustments we're making to fix earnings. I think the, the takeaway is pioneering use of machine learning and natural language processing technology because no one's ever done it before. Uh, it took experts who knew how to tell the machines exactly what to do, how to treat each one of these different accounting, th- accounting line items specifically uh, to bucket them according to their underlying economic meaning. And to do that over and over and over and make all these subtle distinctions between accounting line items that look the same but are different or look different but are the same uh, in terms of their impact on the economics of the business. And and it took many, many years of of building up this library of instructions or really human parsed filings that showed a machine exactly how to treat data for us to have the automation to scale what we do today and deliver to the marketplace tools for quants tools for PMs, and even tools for individual investors. Now, in terms of the actual cost associated with your products and services, new constructs reduces the amount of cost in terms of that, that might be using your services? I, I would think so. Uh, you know, I remember one of the largest asset managers in the world meeting with the head of that firm and we're bringing us on, talking about pricing. And I remember you know, their response was, wow, you save us from just one mistake, David, we've paid for your service or you've paid for your service many times over. We could pay you a hundred times that and still be a good deal. And, and that's the purpose of technology, right, Pedro? Right? To, to make things cheaper, better, and faster. And that's what we're hoping we can provide to more people. Let me move to my next set of questions. And this revolves around what our CFA Society members ask us all the time. What skills do I need to learn or continue to build upon as I progress in my career? You know, I think the, the answer for, for most investors is that there's two paths. You can go and you can learn Python, R, Tableau, SQL, and, and really learn how to, to, to mine data, to study data in, 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 a, in a large and very effective way. Or you look for companies like New Constructs that are using those tools to deliver you the information you need to serve your clients. So if you feel like your strength strength is, is more in the back office, analyzing the data, I would definitely recommend R, Python, uh, and things like Tableau, SQL, Python, Tableau, SQL, probably most. And, and that, that's where you can learn to use lots amount of da- large amounts of data. If you're more front office, if you want to be more in the business of raising assets and dealing with clients, then it's fine folks who are using technology effectively, giving you the tools you need to provide the highest quality of advice. And more importantly, fulfill your fiduciary duties. I feel, I feel like it's kind of either or. Either you're going to go deep dive and learn all this tech stuff, which is not for most people, or you find firms that are doing that for you. Great interfaces, great platforms that are going to make your job easier. And your job is most of the time dealing with clients, helping them navigate the complexities of the financial world, helping them understand the difference between what's good and what's bad. What makes a good ETF? What makes a bad ETF? What makes a good investment philosophy? What makes a bad investment philosophy? What makes a manager you can trust and what makes a manager you can't trust? And, and you know, where do you figure out what is good analytics? Where do you get reliable fundamental research? Uh, I think helping clients navigate the super complex 
and, and competitive world where everyone says their stuff is the best, right? How do you find the stuff that really is the best? And how do you deliver that to your clients? I feel like that's the value add, unless you want to get in the business of building technology. And that's just a whole different path, in my opinion. You have an impeccable reputation as a pioneer, visionary, and top forecaster. One of the pioneers of EVA and return on investor capital. What do you think the future will look like for a finance and investment professional, say, 20 years from now? The role is going to be more and more about relationship building and general advice. You know, we wrote a, we wrote a position paper a few uh, months ago called Distribution is Not Enough. And, and really the message was we're moving toward a world where there's really not a lot of reason to pay someone to bundle securities for people anymore, right? You know, in the old days, you know, you had to call your broker to place a trade, right? You had to pay a lot per trade. You couldn't buy fractional shares. Now you can take 10,000 bucks and do whatever you want with it, right? or, or a thousand bucks or even a hundred dollars. And, and so you know, what we've been saying is the world's moving to a place where people can self-construct their portfolios and anyone can offer that service through any kind of website, right? And we see firms like Interactive Brokers already are. So what's the differentiator in that world? Well, the differentiator is going to be what analytics should I base my portfolio construction on? Do I weight stocks based on market cap, dividend yield, revenue, or do I want to look at something more sophisticated like core earnings or you know, a clean free cash flow number like what New Constructs provides? We think for the asset managers, large and small, right, institutional and RIAs, right? I think we think for asset managers, the key is going to be able to be able to offer clients differentiated insights because the underlying mechanisms for managing money investing money are becoming commoditized every day, right? You know, it's self-directed trading, self-directed portfolio construction. These things are already out there. And so anyone can take some money and divide it into or put into however many stocks they want, you know, at fractional shares and, and, and immediately mimic a QQQ or an SPX or SPY or XLK, right? You can, you can get those holdings and allocations online. You can replicate those portfolios easily. So it's not about the underlying trading anymore. We're no longer about being a toll taker between an individual and markets. I think it's about success in the future is going to be about providing differentiated value-added advice, where to go to get good information, where to go to get good analysis, where to go to get the best tools, where to go to get the best advice on, on how much you need to save and how to meet your goals, tax planning, all these things that are, are difficult to understand and require an expert, that's what clients need in the future. They need expert advice on how to put things together and why to put them together in a particular way and a lot less help in executing the putting together part. Because I believe, again, that's going to be commoditized. Help the client figure out which managers are best, if they want to put together their own portfolios, what analytics are the best, and, and, and you know how to, how to make all this new technology work for them. Because technology is supposed to work for us. It's supposed to make things better, faster, and cheaper. And being able to understand what all the different offerings are. There's 100 robo-advisors. There's only one robo-analyst like New Constructs, but you get the idea. Helping them navigate this cluttered mass of people all claiming to be the best in the business and provide great advice. Helping people understand where people, you know, where they can really get the best bang for their buck who they can and can't trust. That's what's most important. All about trust. Do you see any differences between U.S. and international markets with respect to the future 
given what you've said about AI and machine learning? No, I think technology is going to sort of increasingly make those those similar, right? So, um, you know, everybody is going to want to be able to have exposure, if possible, across multiple countries, uh, markets, domains, et cetera. Um, and I think that that's going to sort of force more of the world to meet the U.S. standards uh, long term, Pedro. Uh, in the short term, I think we've got to be really careful about Europe. Uh, and their financial sort of mismanagement over the many, many years. And I think in Asia, you know, I put Japan in the same bucket as, as uh, Europe, really, because it's just sort of no growth environments. Uh, in Asia, you know, the 300 pound gorilla is China. And I think we really don't know how China wants to play. Uh, we've seen that they don't play by the same rules as we do here in the US. It is not a democratic capitalist country, it's authoritarian. They do what they want to do. They do what's in the best interest, what they think is in the best interest of China. And that's been clearly shown not to always be in the best interest of U.S. investors. So I think you got to be careful there. But long term, I think it all normalizes. I think we have one big global investment environment. Look, there have been, there have been many um, op-eds written from both the right and the left that says, look, China's out to rule the world. Um, China's going to do what's best for China. And that might not be the best for U.S. investors. And you got to be careful there. I, I think you know data regulation probably also affects payment for order flow. That means businesses like Robinhood could be in, in trouble. Um, I think it's ultimately that's good for investors. I don't think people should profit from your orders before they hit the market. Uh, so yeah, I think it's important, you know, the role of RAs in particular it, it should be, and, and for all advisors and, and in that matters, help your clients understand what they can and cannot trust. Because that's where the big blowups are, right? When you trust something that's bad for too long, that's where you get the most sort of pain in your portfolio. So understanding where you can and can't trust, I think is, is the best piece of advice, best help you can give to clients. Thank you for your time, David. Data science and asset management will continue to be at the center of discussions in the future. We appreciate your sharing your insights with us. Thank you, Pedro. I had a great time. To all our NC15 listeners, we appreciate your support. We look forward to bringing you the best leaders. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us on your favorite service provider. We love hearing your thoughts and it will help others find us. Also a reminder, past performance is no guarantee of future results. This material may contain an assessment of the market and economic environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. Forward-looking statements are subject to certain risks and uncertainties. Actual results, performance, or achievements may differ materially from those expressed or implied. This is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual. This material should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell securities or a guarantee of future results. The opinion expressed is based on information from sources believed to be correct, but no guarantee can be made to their accuracy. The information contained in this report is not written or intended as financial, tax, or legal advice. You are encouraged to seek financial, tax, and legal advice from your professional advisors. Mm -hmm.